Welcome to Public Showering, created by me, Sophie Duncan. This is the only podcast designed specifically for pole artists, aerialists, and movers of all kinds who want to learn how to build amazing choreography, tell your stories, and be the best performer you can be. Part of my Sadasi creative coaching system, I'll help you unlock your full fierce and creative selves using professional dance, theater, choreography, and circus tools, plus a hint of real life backstage stories and some simple confidence boosting skills. What was the situation with you, with your friends? Did they, did they literally just find it that it was just like, this will be hilarious, she'll never do this? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But I was like, you know what, I'm gonna give it a go. And I went and I actually really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Probably only when I left university and started working that I realized, you know, um, like how much, how, how big a part of my life it is and that it connected me to a lot of friends. Do you have this thing of people around you seem to have blind faith that somehow you will always yes. be okay? <laughs> yes. Yes. I hate that. <laughs> I loved working in the aerospace industry. It's super yeah. interesting, super cool putting things in space. Right, but yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just was like, is this what I want to be doing right now though with my body? Pole dancing brings you to a lot of uh, like-minded people and when you move to a new city, starting a new job, you don't know anyone and um, pole dancing was a great way to meet people. Okay then my friends, welcome back to episode two of my incredible podcast with Miss Mel Lee. How are you my darling? Hello, I'm good, thank you. So of course like last time we were talking about your incredible movement from being essentially an astrophysicist, wait, astrophysicist? Yes, no? Aerospace ah! manager. <laughs> close, close, Aerospace, close. oh God, excellent. Anyway, into being a, a pole dancer and everything else. So I want to talk more about what you're doing right now. So you already said that you are currently um, a resident for Proud Proud City, isn't it? Right? Yes, Proud City, Proud Cavalry. They have a venue in Proud City, yeah. Yes, they do. And also you are going to be performing at the box tonight and actually for some of this week, right? Yes, until Saturday. It's every night, 1am or 2am. That's fab. So these are your two sort of residencies at the moment then? Yeah. <coughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I love just choking on my own saliva. Excellent, great. Many things, but breathing is not not one. <laughs> um, yeah, the boxes is just like a one week um, mm. residency, um, and then proud is like most weekends. Amazing, like so. I mean, before we were talking about how you sort of, you know, you went more into sort of teaching and then slowly getting to into these gigs and stuff. Like, what what was your like? transition getting there because I mean if you were if your world was more sort of like teaching yourself what, what were the steps that you took to actually start finding these opportunities to perform yeah um I really st I think probably going into the more cabaret world um I started performing with uh, a collective called the Cocoa Butter Club oh I've um, seen that on your insta <laughs> Yeah, they're they're a lovely collective. We're the melanated are celebrated. That's the tagline, um, and they curate shows and they showcase the best of like um, Asian, South Asian, East Asian talent, and um, that was really sort of like my first foot in the door mm. with them. 
Um, I think that's really probably the most difficult part about being a performer is just getting that foot in the door. And then mm. once you start performing, other people see you, you know, organically and then they'll invite you to perform and then it happens through word of mouth kind of thing. So I would say a lot of my work is just something that happens organically. Mm. Yeah. Well, places like the box are like notorious for actually being quite tough to get into. Like how, how was that? Was that again, just sort of word of mouth moment? <laughs> It was actually, yeah. So I was performing um, with a collective called the House of Dons and they're a group of like drag artists. Yeah. So that was something very different for me. I'd never done drag before, but um, yeah, as a performer, you kind of have to be willing to go outside of your, your comfort zone. And, and, and for me, that was definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, and they one of the performances was at the box and it wasn't the box as it is like the the club night it was just they hired out the venue for mm. a special event All right. and um that evening one of the one of the organizers one of the senior people at the box they saw me perform and gave me their contact details and said look we'd really love to have you in audition mm. um you know when are you free kind of thing yeah and um it went from there really um it's been a really cool process i don't know if you know much about how the how the acts are created at the box. I, I sort of understand how they're, how they're created because they essentially, they build it with you, sort of for you, don't they? Because they've got a very particular aesthetic. <laughs> yes, very risky, very risky <laughs> venue. Um, yeah, you go in and, and like you, you workshop like this, the, the concept, the theme, the music. Yeah. And um, actually the pole dancing part is probably only about... 40% of it um, or 50% the rest of it is telling a story and really just getting into the character yeah um, and I think like the coolest part about it is like, I have backup dancers and I think that's all I've ever wanted in my life oh yes come on <laughs> yeah they're called the beauties the beauties um, are they also yeah, resident they, artists then they are yeah mm. yeah that's um, really fun and they, they basically help you like yeah create the storyline essentially yeah um, I would I would love to perform at the box I mean the box I when I lived in London before I, I knew of it and I think I went to it once and it just scared the bejeebus out of me this is before I started poll this is before I even knew anything about sort of the it's not really an underworld but the sort of the world of cabaret in London and I just remember being like really terrified of the whole thing and just being like ah and it's just to me it makes me laugh because it's just so like I've suddenly become so much more into cabaret and developing these kind of like I, I, I've seen like the box as far as I understand it like early on the acts are sort of a bit nicer and then as the night goes on it gets sort of more terrifying and I terrifi- terrifyingly beautiful um, <laughs> but I mean no, I know I know a handful of, of people that perform there including sword swallowers people that are inserting things in places um, and <laughs> there's going out like I would imagine that your your block is it's probably not quite to the you know three o'clock in the morning uh, situation um uh, no I'm still doing definitely I'm definitely doing things more than I would do I mean yes. the question was asked you know how naked are you willing to get yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a very standard question at the box to be honest with you how naked how naked do you feel I mean have you ever yes. you've have you ever performed naked at the box no I've not I've not um would you especially I think it's, well <laughs> they're not paying me enough for that yet yeah no <laughs> <laughs> they did ask me specifically to perform a spatchcock. And, oh my god! Um, I was like, oh, 
that's definitely not a move that you can do naked. Like a spatchcock, for anyone who doesn't know, is where you put both of your legs yep. against the pole in a straddle position. Your arms are off the pole. Like, your legs are spread as wide as they can be. Yeah. And if I was naked, you would see straight into my uterus. Like, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> well, but you know what, though? So, I mean, like, I've... The thing is, the box, everything is very close up. It's a very intimate venue, isn't it? But, like, I mean, the show that I currently perform in Berlin, like, the entire show, the entire two-hour show is naked. Every single artist on stage is naked. But the whole realm of it is totally different because it, it's, it's not... There's there's no sexual elements of the show. Well, I lie. There's one sexual element of the show, but it's it's not in a way that's um I don't know. It could, I guess because it's more like performance art rather than it being that sort of risque situation. That's not mm. the idea. Mm. But in in that in my routine at one point I have this absolutely glorious aerial anchor and it's fantastic but the theatre that we perform in is a huge proscenium theatre so you know the audience are 20 metres away from me it's it's kind of fine but I do a move I have no idea what it's called I don't know it's not a spatchcock but it's basically a full box split on the pole and I absolutely do it's a full on spready and I perform that completely naked and I can tell you now like when I first started working with with, with Florentina who's the director who is also in the show and also performs naked like which is so bizarre because you remember the, the first time I ever met her she was just naked and just started doing things and I was like holy <laughs> crap this is a very new experience in my in my repertory um, but I, I was sure that I, I was fine with being topless but I was sure that I would somehow hurt myself probably like and I was like I'll, I'll be wearing trial uh, boxes all right and she was uh, pants or whatever and she was like no like uh, yeah okay. yeah okay yeah okay yeah turns out turns out you can do everything on there but I will I, I say this often I will hell no ever do a superman uh naked on an aerial pole made of silicon um i would never do that anyway but there's no way there's no way i'm gonna do that but i don't know like i've I've found performing naked to be really uh, i don't know it's fine yeah yeah but you know what without sounding too like um I don't, I don't know. I find I find the word liberating. It is liberating, but it, it's it's sort of like an annoying word to me. In the end, it's it's just like I'm just naked on stage now, and bleh. like nudity gets yeah, old real get fast. Quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is which is I think bizarre. As well, yeah, because we do because there's a lot of nudity in pole dancing. Not full nudity, but like you know, we get our tits out and we have yeah. like pasties on or whatever. Yeah, and when we're training in class, like occasionally my boob will come out anyway. So I'm <laughs> yeah. like. It, top half at least for me isn't really that yeah that big of a deal in fact when I perform at Proud like my trademark act is, is a devil routine a horns routine mm. and um, I'm more worried about one of my horns falling out <laughs> yeah actually I think um, I think for me if, like, the only thing that I'm bothered about is I'd rather be fully naked than wearing something that then might pop out because then somehow it seems to be like a problem whereas if you're already naked yes. there's in some ways nothing can go wrong because you're already there anyway so it's kind of fine exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly exactly oh yeah. god would encourage it just go for it if you've never danced nude before go for it see how you like it <laughs> i mean yeah it is a diff- very different thing but it is quite entertaining but i mean um what are the differences then really with like the box compared to when you're doing proud city and kind of any other performance you're doing because they all have a very different vibe yes so as we've discussed the box is obviously the more risque of the venues mm. um they really the production value is incredible um i've been for like 
I think since last week I've had three or four rehearsals in a week. Wow, that is unheard of in London Cabaret. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Normally I turn up like an hour before I'm like, is there a poll? Great, I'll do the thing. Whereas (laughs) them it's like you go in, you do the workshop, you think of the theme, you go in again, you you finesse the theme, you go in again and you work with the beauties for the the dance and and then you go in again, you do the dress rehearsal and also they they actually they make the costumes for you as well. You have an on-set costume designer. Which oh is my god, yes, that is so nice. Yes. I know, I know, don't have to worry about that. I mean, not that I'm wearing much anyway, but <laughs> just one less thing to worry about. It's so the irony yeah. of that. Like, we have a full wardrobe department for, for Ophelia's Got Talent, the Berlin show, and I'm like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> we've got, like, we're literally between us. We've got, like, 12 tops that have to be laundered because they get covered in blood and water and all kinds of shit. But other than that, I'm like, oh. I mean, it's very lovely that you're all here, but, I, I mean, I, I, I could do it myself. Yeah. I'm glad that you're doing it for me, but... <laughs> I know, I know, I know. A costume honestly as a performer is probably one of the most stressful things oh tell me about it finding a costume that that not only looks good like you know actually does its job and holds bits in (laughs) oh Um, god but i mean um i'm just trying to think to sort of you know bring it back to the the world of of competition pole dancing and stuff i think it's really interesting that like um you know when you do a a comp routine I don't think people actually, and I'm sorry, this is not me being being harsh on on normal people just trying to make a comp routine. Like, I think <laughs> it would be nice for people to understand the 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 complexity of starting your idea, workshopping it with people, going back, coming forward. Because I mean, I think most people, sadly, just end up being fairly alone in their comp routine making. Mm-hmm. Um, even me, me included. Like, I spend a lot of time on my own with maybe a little bit of feedback from friends, but actually, like. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually quite amazing what normal pole dancers, like comp pole dancers, achieve without the support of what you can get from places like The Box. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, places like, or competitions like Pole Theatre or any of the ones that Stacey organises at the, the Crisette, mm. you have that massive screen behind you as well, so you can also have not just music, you can have visuals as well, mm. which is, like, you know, adds so much to your production value. Um I honestly, I recently judged um, pole theatre amateur, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was really really impressed by the scope of all the different themes and angles that people were taking on, especially the kids actually. Oh Some of god, the kids, their storylines were dark. You know what? Really dark. You're so right. <laughs> You're you, you know what? I completely forgot about this because for that same one for amateur, I I was the the compare with um, Bexita, who's a ledge. Um, Yes. And both of us were sat side stage, like, just in awe, not only of how incredibly talented they are, but also um, their concepts. I think I might be getting confused with Great British Polo Champs, but um, there was, like, they're always warrior kind of things. There's quite a lot of yeah. depression, anxiety, or breaking through, and you're just thinking, wait, hold on, you're 16. Yes. Like, I'm sure you go a through these. Suicide. 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 That is yes. an interesting reflection and what maybe we're not thinking these kids are thinking about they're they're dark they're not happy kids <laughs> <laughs> well i mean to be honest with you i think the, the generation that generation they have grown up in a world that's a bit broken right they've got yes. all the stresses of like climate change of covid of yeah cost of living like all the things that we didn't really have to think about when we were growing up it's so true like, weren't so you know, face to face with, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
it's, it is incredible to see what they're coming out with and like yeah I think I said it at the time and I'll say it again now like I feel like I'm just staring at my retirement as they come on stage I'm like how how do we compete against these people because <laughs> they're, they're incredible you know, I, I actually- yeah, they're amazing. But actually, I was really inspired because um, I think it comes from my gymnastics background. Like, I really, I love coaching. I love mm. teaching. And I specifically love coaching, especially for competitions. And mm. I just saw these kids and I was like, oh, I want to take one of you and just like... Shape you. Yes. <laughs> you just shape you into this incredible pole dancer. And not that they already are. They are. Yeah. But, um, there's just... Oh. Honestly, incredible, incredible. Well, I, this is something, and it might come across a little bit shady, but hopefully not. But like, um, in I, it's been two comps that I've been to now, where um, I've through word of mouth or whatever, I've 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 heard of, I guess sort of maybe the older generation of polars, not being me, but I guess having that kind of like, hold on, I don't think it's fair that I'm just going to put us as we, but like we are competing against these kids because um, a comment that I heard was like, it's not fair because you know these kids started when they were 14, so of course they're going to be super flexible, of course they can do this, they're fitter and younger than us, um, mm. and I remember being a little bit uh, turned off because. Uh, I always think that the pole world is so inclusive and, and so magical and wonderful. I understand why these people probably felt a little bit upset that these these kids are in the same comp, but clearly they're competing at a much physically higher level than we are because they, they were younger. And of course, when you're 14, you can stick your ass yeah. on the back of your head because that's what these <laughs> kids were doing. But like... Yes. Oh, what do you think though because for me I think these kids absolutely do and should be performing on the same you know they could be they were in amateur but they could have totally been in semi-pro and actually yeah. would have smashed it like I don't, yeah. what what should we do with these kids because I, I don't know yes. what to do you know I know it's, it's a really difficult question especially it, it, I think it's broader than just children as well it mm. goes across like just levels in pole dancing like how do you define someone as amateur how do you define someone as mm. like, semi-pro and pro um, it, when I was um, at university not at university when I was organising like, the university IEPDC competitions mm. we did have this broader discussion about you know is it fair for someone who has done gymnastics mm. has only been doing like a few months of pole but then is in beginner but they can do a needle scale yeah and the stance that i took was well they still had to work for it yeah you know and i don't see why we should be penalizing people for being, being great <laughs> yeah at the end of the day like that's really what we're doing we're saying you're too good <laughs> yeah no and um, i was almost banned from a competition um when i was a student because uh i was uh, an instructor right um, I'd, I'd taken my qualification and I was teaching at the society and when I went to compete in IEPDC in the advanced category mm. um, you know, some of the girls were complaining they were like, it's not fair, she's an instructor and when I spoke to the organisers I was like, look, like I am an instructor but I'm also a student Like I'm, doing a, I'm studying mm. full time the same as the other girls or, or guys or whatever mm. are um, I don't see why I should be penalised for <laughs> doing more like getting mm. qualified for doing that bit extra so mm. 
Yeah. yeah it's it, a tricky one. It is tough because, I mean, I, I sort of was sort of reflecting on that myself because the first competition, well, I guess the first major competition I ever did was, was UK PPC. And it was one of those comps where I'd never, I'd done one comp in, in Hong Kong at the time. Um, and obviously no one knew my background, but I guess it didn't matter. But, you know, if these these people that were, were sort of like dissing these kids, they were like saying, well, it's not fair because they're, they're young and they've been dancing since they was three. But then actually, so did I, you know, like I... I, I went in the professional category of UK PPC because that was the one I was supposed to be in, not elite, although I don't think at the time I could have been because I'd only been doing pole dancing for about six months at this time. Um, what? That's crazy. What? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, like, as in, like, really getting stuck in... Actually, lies. hold on, no. That my first my first competition, I did six months. Sorry, I would have been pole dancing for a year at this time. I do apologise. I would have been pole dancing yeah. for a year since UK PPC. Still incredible. <laughs> but, I mean, I... I went in that comp with the knowledge that, okay, I have this huge background in performance and dance and stuff. So I was obviously shitting my pants about the actual pole skill because it was a few things, even the week before, I was dropping out of flags and stuff like this because I was just scared and stuff. But I mean, it, it would have been, in theory it was also unfair to everyone in my category then if, if I'd been performing for, at that point, I'd have been performing for 24 years as a performer, at least seven of those being professional mm. but you know in that in that category there's I don't think there could have been an, an, another place like you wouldn't say oh no you can't perform because you're too professional it, mm-hmm. you know it's it's yeah. it, it's it is tough because I mean if you did just do pole dance for the you know you're an accountant and you decided to be, to start pole dancing and you've been doing pole dance for mm-hmm. seven years like you know I've still had to I chose to go into degree in dance which you know could have been a disaster <laughs> you know and you know I took that risk and I would like to think that I like these kids like these kids generally want to be the world's best pole dancers and can you, I can't imagine telling that to my form tutor like hi yeah what do you want to be when you're older oh I, I want to be the, the world's greatest pole dancer I bet their form tutors like me are saying okay but maybe we should consider you know maths um, science <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. I, d- I don't know. I I also hope, and you can see as you've you've watched the the same kids that I saw. Um, although their concepts are incredibly deep and very terrifying, I I'm not a huge fan of the way that the this is me completely just being a judge. I'm not saying that they're good or bad or anything. Like they have a quality about them that is youthful, which is incredible. Mm. Um, but I. I personally don't get a, let's say, a mature level of emotion coming from the kids, which yeah. I think is the only thing that, that if I was against one of these kids, I, will, I would be 100% terrified, 100%, because I know they'll smash me <laughs> in terms of dance and performance quality. But I, I do too, wonder, but I do wonder about the literal emotional depth of what they're doing I've they are emotional and they are performing to their fullest again the the mm. performance quality is outstanding what what do you think do you think that you possibly as a judge feel more from an adult performer who let's say they did the same amount of tricks the same quality of tricks do you think mm-hmm. it would be I don't know. Do you think that there's maturity yeah. out of an older performer than there is a young performer? It's a, it's a tough question because I'm not sure. Yeah. It's, do you know what? It's really difficult to see. Uh, and I think it really boils down to the fact that when you're doing a pole performance, you, do, you have to act. And it's not something that we actually 
think a lot about or do a lot of as pole dancers generally yeah. like we we go to a pole class so we pole dance we we, do tricks. <laughs> we we hardly ever think about what character we're portraying mm. so i think whether you know you are a young performer or an older performer i think it's something that is a bit of a weak point for everyone and, and for myself as well included yeah um, i've had feedback when i've competed you know it, it saying that i wasn't in character the full time <laughs> and i'm like well yeah because i was trying to pull my leg up to my face or whatever. Um, <laughs> sorry but yeah yeah I, I think it's generally something that anyone could work on yeah unless you've you've had proper professional training or a coach or yeah. you're playing or a part that really is close to home it's mm. probably something that everyone could work on yeah it's yeah. true it's true where do you see um, your performances because of course like you you have these very different outlets when it comes to like the box being more risque I know that at, uh, at Proud City it, that's more of a sort of sexy vibe right yeah yeah more showgirl kind of cabaret lingerie kind of vibes burlesque yeah, kind of the yes. kind of classic pole dancing to to a degree, really. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you have your your comp routines. Like, where do you see your yeah. sort of trajectory? Because I, I think in this point, mm-hmm. it seems like you've got like quite a nice base in like all the things that you I guess wanted to get into. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I I recently submitted an application for um, a show, and they were like, "You're great, but do you have anything of you dancing without heels?" And I was like. <laughs> That is a really good question. Uh-huh. The answer is no. Like I, since I've put on my first pair of seven inches, I don't think I've done a performance barefoot ever. Really? So I think that's something I would maybe quite like to get into, or not get into, but actually do something a bit more lyrical. Yeah. Um, a bit more, a bit less showgirly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll have to do <laughs> a swap. We'll have to do a swap one day because I, I'm still, I'm not terrified of heels. I, I desperately want to want to. I will do a comp in heels one day. Absolutely, I will do that because I just feel like it's the legacy of pole dancing that everyone should be taking on a classique style at one point in their pole career. Because why wouldn't you? Like, but maybe we should take us yeah. make a switchy. Like, I'll get you doing lyrical <laughs> lyrical contemporary, and uh, you can get me all of the heels gear because I mean, let's do it. Skill uh, swap. Skill swap. Everyone loves a skill swap I do. Uh, what is it about heels that just like feeds it for you? Because it, you, I mean, you do look absolutely bloody fabulous in heels. Like <laughs> booty lifted, long legs, long hair, amazing bod. I mean, like you serve all the things that we all need from heel choreography. <laughs> oh, honestly, it sometimes putting on a pair of heels just completely changes your mindset. I can feel like shit, and the moment I put them on, it just transforms you. I don't know. I think it's probably. What do I love about heels? I think it's the fact that you... I don't know. <laughs> I think about it, like, why do I love heels so much? Apart from, obviously, the aesthetic part about it, mm. I think it's because I'm more inclined to dance. When I wear heels, I'm not always thinking about what big tricks can I do because big tricks can be quite taxing. When I put on some heels, I'm like, I can just mill around the floor for a bit and just feel myself and enjoy the movement, not constantly pushing myself to spread my legs in a, a weird way. That's I just I could just mill about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm literally right now wearing my pleasers, Love it. walking around the house. Um, 
Yeah. How many pairs of places do you have? Oh, God. Um, (laughs) I have... Oh, I don't want to say... Do it! I'm all above my TV right now, but I think I probably have about, like, 20. What?! Oh my! Yeah. I did not. I thought you were going to yeah. say seven or eight. I did not think you were going to say twenty. Oh my oh, lord! No. How? <laughs> Why? Oh, costumes. I guess costumes. Yeah, let's just say costumes. Totally not an unhealthy obsession. <laughs> I mean, I, um, at least you use yours. Yeah. You use yours. I have yeah. two pairs of pleasers. One that I have used just because I and now they've got to become my how to learn to use pleaser shoes because I've demolished them already. And then I have a brand new pair that I bought. Uh, I don't know, probably about eight months ago now because they were so pretty and they were a great price. And I like don't ever want to wear them because they're suede and they're so pretty. <laughs> Save them for a photo shoot, just for photo shoot. <laughs> just to pretend. No, I have lots of I have lots of heels that are also like partially broken as well. But I like I love them so much that I don't want to throw them away, and I'm desperately looking for a way to recycle them and reuse them. So if anyone has some tips i mean i've seen people that turn their heels into plant pots and stuff but i, don't I was about to, to say that. like i could put that on my balcony but the wind today would definitely have blown them into our neighbor's <laughs> garden which would have been quite hilarious actually <laughs> oh um actually speak of recycling shoes sorry um i have shaved off you know those like heelless boots Yes. And um, you can see. Um, I did take some of my eight inch heels to Timpsons and ask them to take off. <laughs> really? So, Does that work yes. well? Um, I think so. It's definitely really difficult to dance in because you cannot rely on the spike at all. But like functionally speaking, I was able to dance in them. So I think that they are <laughs> so interesting for me. Because I, I mean, again, on my very, very small knowledge of, of heels, generally speaking, you shouldn't really be relying on, on the the point generally speaking you have to be on sorry like the heel you should be on the point pretty much the whole time no yeah i mean i think it changes with the different styles of pole dancing you do when i was training in eastern europe they don't really well the ones that i dance with anyway they didn't really care too much about constantly being on point and actually for some of the moves because it's so hard and you're doing a lot of jumping they're like no just stay on your spike it's fine Um, whereas (laughs) if you do like a bit more yes dear spike if you do like a bit more old school flow style then they're like okay stay more on point um so i guess it really depends what what style you're doing i've also done like techno techno heels which is really cool huh? i don't know what that is <laughs> yeah. what is techno heel i i also still don't know really what it is but we had some techno music playing anyway ukrainian techno music and we were dancing i'll send you a video it was fun <laughs> Please. I mean, what you were talking about to me earlier about like the, the way that the sort of like Eastern Europeans have a different energy and just just listening to music. I think that's what a great skill, actually, because I, I do find and I, I'm sorry to, to bomb out um, like English musicality. We're not that great at it. We're not that hot at it. If I'm really, truly honest, I feel like other countries smash musicality sometimes a lot yeah. better than we do. And I, I don't know, yeah. I'd never, I, I'm just a bit of a stickler for it. Like I said, like I, I work in music, I am DJing, so really like music is so uh, my entire universe at the moment. But there's something about the way that the musicality is, especially in other countries, which I think, I don't know, I think we need to up our game a little bit because damn Gina, they're killing us out here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think we're really good at tricks in the UK. I will say we're mm. very big on like big heels tricks, but mm. musicality, especially when it comes to like the small, sharp movements. Um, there's a style of movement like the frame up. Have you heard of frame up? No. 
it's like uh, it's floor work based but you still wear like your big stripper heels yeah um and yeah it's about interpreting the music in a different way not so much flowy very sharp almost like popping a little bit ah i see totally totally butchered that but people like you know amy the mermaid yeah she's smashing it pioneering that sort of movement yeah Bless her, I'm amazing. She's, um, she's smashing at the moment. She, I think she's one of the hottest things on the, on the market at the moment, to be honest. A hundred percent, I would kill to dance like her. I think you can. I mean, again, and Amy is a quite... Uh, uh, I mean, just, just take a second, shout out to Amy the Mermaid. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know that she's sort of struggled to actually get in the right category of things because uh, she is so specific. She is so standalone. Even I find it... I, I mean, luckily, I've not had to judge her or anything yet, but, like, I found it quite difficult to to get my, my head around what she's doing because it is so original. It's so original. It's so unusual. It's mm. so, like, it's... It's so fresh, and I think that we are yes. in such a good place right now in in our industry, where you're getting these insane kids that are doing their thing. You're getting people like Amy doing a thing. You have people with these mad concepts, and I think that like we're in a really good place, and so we're we're all having to kind of pull up together, really, because it's it 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 just never ends what we can do with yeah. pole dancing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And the one thing that I've seen a lot more of in recent years is like coming down the pole. Like people just don't, the big tricks and stuff, they're very cool, but the base work, the floor work, I think is the stuff that blows me away the more, the most now. Yeah, yeah. Which I never used, I never would have thought that would have been the case, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm being more drawn to. Yeah, it's true actually. Like, I mean, I've I always say this. Everyone says that I'm not like I'm I'm I've always been less bothered about tricks. Like, I mean, and again, you're you are a splitty queen. Like, you know, it, there's only so many splits you can do in a routine. Where okay, we've got it. We've got that now. Um, <laughs> like, did you, did you? I mean, the the first time I really noticed this was when I was just recently doing the video entries for Pole Art UK, and this is the first time I've ever judged. And I found at least the first few categories really difficult to to sort of get my head around. I even message. Uh, Lorna Walker who is obviously one of the creators of Polar um, like am I doing this right because I don't want to be giving people things but do you you've obviously judged a lot of competitions mm-hmm. you obviously get your different categories of like mm-hmm. uh, you know technically uh, like how, how straight the lines are the trick level and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. once you've already seen maybe two or three splits do you sort of think like well you did that now do we like I find it hard. Like mm-hmm. even if, if even if a routine is done, a ton of skills that are insane. Mm-hmm. I, I I find it like if you've done more than two or three things, I f- kind of lose interest in how to quantify tricking. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the more interesting part, like I love seeing the big tricks, but I love seeing the transitions between them, like how you link the tricks, because it's one thing being able to do a jade split and then doing this split and then doing another trick. But I find the pathways between them when you're actually on the pole, mm. the more interesting parts. If, if it's something that makes me think like, oh, I've never seen that before. Mm. Like something that's a very bog standard is, for example, doing like an outside leg hang, doing your butterfly, coming around into a flatline Scorpio and a Superman. That's something that, you know, is a sequence that mm. is, is an intermediate sequence that a lot of people will put in a routine, mm-hmm. which you know, I will score them very highly for maybe the like um, their lines and whatnot, mm. but then they would lose marks for me on creativity. It is actually, so, yeah. I mean, it's a very. You're right. It's a very perfect, very ideal set of of tricks, but it is basically what you're 
your teacher will have probably told you and now it's your job to fluff with it <laughs> yeah yeah like what I love in a competition is being like ooh I didn't think you could get into that move from this transition or that move from there like that's those are the performances that stay with me yes absolutely excellent right yeah. okay then I could talk to you absolutely all day forever because it's just so much fun um, <laughs> but otherwise oh. where I know that we people can go see you at the box people can see you at Proud where can we see you if you're not in that world and you just want to see you in a comp what have you got coming up in the next oh. few months or so um competition wise I I am meant to be performing in pole theatre <laughs> you the are me. me too oh, oh my god coming up very soon oh god how's, how's your routine going along together yes we should yeah. <laughs> how is my I'll let you know when I've started it <laughs> mate absolutely like oh my god this is uh, me and Andrew we're literally just talking about this because he's doing uh, semi-pro drama uh, no he's not he's doing pro drama um, yeah I was going to say definitely shouldn't be semi-pro yeah yeah he's doing pro drama I'm doing uh, um, pro comedy and it's the first time I'm doing comedy so I've, I just I just need to start Ooh, exciting I know I just need to start putting it together so you're, you're it's good to hear that you're in the same the same like yes. what am I doing box <laughs> indeed yeah well I'll message you we'll sort something out right yes i'm doing pole theater and then um i teach also across london so if you ever want to come to the expole academy on mondays yeah tuesdays and pole fit london on wednesdays absolutely everywhere absolutely smashing it right well it's been an honor and a pleasure my darling thank you so much for being on public showering thanks for having me see you soon see you love you bye-bye if you're loving what you've been hearing in the Public Showering Podcast, you have to experience Sadasi. www.soduncan.com slash Sadasi. It's the online community that is everything you've been hearing in Public Showering, plus so much more. It's where you can get one-to-one help bringing all these ideas to your own work. It's where you can learn new creative coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and chat with other Sadasi members just like you and help each other unlock your creative potential. It's fun, it's chill, and I'm there for you when you need that little bit of extra support. So come join us at www.soduncan.com slash It's been a pleasure to have you with me today. I'll see you there. Love you, bye-bye. <laughs>